get all situated here. One more week after this in this series on the church and uh, how we discipline the unrepentant. It's not typically what we hear in churches in this culture. Um, we obviously love to talk about love and grace, and but sometimes they're the tough stuff that we have to deal with in the church too. And we're going to look at an example of that this morning as we look in the book or letter that we seldom refer to, and that is the third letter of John. I just want to read two verses in that letter. Right before the book of Revelation, you have Jude and then the book of Third John. I encourage you when you find that. It's Third John verses 9 and 10. I ask you to stand in our God's honor. I wrote to the church... But Diophanes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Let's pray. Father... um, As we come, we come, Father, knowing that we all have this sin problem, Lord. And we just ask for your mercy that the sin issue of pride will not be seated on the throne of our lives, Lord. But that we'll be humble before you and one another. Father, as we look at this instance of diatrophies, Lord. I just pray that we be reminded uh, we don't want to be like him, Lord. So just speak to our hearts and draw us to you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Chuck Swindoll, in one of his books, talks about kids and their clubhouse. And you're every good clubhouse. You have to have clubhouse rules. And they came up with just three basic rules for their clubhouse. Don't be too big. Don't be too small. Everybody be medium. And the picture here is that we are not to elevate self. Not too big. And when we're not willing to be honest and bold and loving, that's being too small. But what we need to do is be able to see ourselves correctly according to the Lord Jesus. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 verse 3. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather with sober judgment, accordance with the measure of faith, God has given you. To be able to see ourselves correctly, he tells us in Romans 12, verse 16, Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. It's not about me. It's about Him. And that's the basis of of the church, the basis of what God calls us to. I thought it was interesting that as you think of the word disciple and you think of the word discipline, they both come from the same Greek word, the same Greek root. The difference, both have to deal with challenging and correcting. The difference is how it is received. 
Are our hearts willing to receive the challenge and the correction? Or are we rebellious to that challenge and that correction? Paul tells the church at Philippi in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So he calls us to have eyes and to have a perception and that has a heart that's not just looking in, but that's looking up and then looking out. That is his call to us. And as we come to this section of this letter, as John is writing to the church, a small house church, there is a character, there is a person in that church who is causing division, who is causing problems in the church. And John describes this one. He also shares that it is not to be left alone but that it is important to deal with this issue. And and so, as we look at this guy, his name is Deotrephes. Deotrephes, what a name. I think it would be easier to nickname him, maybe call him Dio or Trey. Trey, yeah, that works. Maybe easier if I called him Trey instead of, um, you know, messing up his name. But I, I want you to look. It's... A description of this man that's given us in verse 9. What does it look like when someone is causing division in the church? When there there is a person who is ripping apart God's people and his plan, his mission. Well, as we look at the Atrophenes, we'll see first, look what it says, who loves to be first. Who loves to be first. In the Greek it's actually just one word. And the one word literally could say. Loves first. In other words. He wants to always be first. He always wants to be noticed. And it's in the present tense. Which means it never ends. It's always about diatrophies. It's always about him. And it's always his way or the highway. There's no negotiation with this guy. He's always right. He always has to be in charge. And it never lets up. Why? What what was it about this guy that was so intimidating to this church? Well, could it be that he was physically imposing? Maybe he was a large guy who was just frightening. Had a booming voice and... Just very intimidating. Or maybe it was that he had intimidating personality. You know, people just kind of mouse up when they were near him because of that personality. Well, if you look at his name, it's actually a Greek name which literally means Zeus reared or cared for by Zeus. And the clue of that in that day was, was a picture of his name of Greek nobility. In other words, this guy was a hotshot. He was the aristocracy. (laughs) What a big word for a mountain guy. Um, But anyway, he was that guy who had class. He had posh and pull. He had cash and he had class. (laughs) He was the guy who had influence. 
He was the guy in the community who was the guy that could get things done in the community. He had political sway. And yet John approaches, and I think he's trying to say to the church, although he loves to be first, that's not what the church is all about. It's never about any of us loving to be first. It's about Jesus first. That is the passion. What you notice, secondly, about him, he was not held accountable. Notice there as it describes him in verse 9. He says, he will have nothing to do with us. He's not teachable. He's, he's not willing to be held accountable by others. This is apostolic authority. He, the apostle John, the one who had walked with Jesus, the one who was commissioned by Jesus, but he did not want to hear from the Apostle John. He didn't want anyone else being in charge. It was his church, and he was the one that called the shots. Reminds me of Proverbs 12, verse 1. I love the way it shares it in the NIV. It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Man, just straight to the point, if you are willing to be corrected, you're going to grow. But if you're not willing to be corrected, you're just stupid. I want to read, this is from Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 through 12. that gives us this great picture of the contrast between the one who's willing to be corrected and the one who's not. The one who's willing to be a disciple, the one who's not willing to be disciplined. Starting at verse 7, it says, Whoever corrects a mocker, Invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Have you ever tried to correct somebody that is not going to be corrected? It's like trying to uh, corner a cat. We got this big black cat that we named Shaq, and we're all we're both afraid to give him a bath because you put him no way, man. We took him to the vet, thought, you know, but it's going to be like eight, you know, 75, 80 bucks. To, I said, we'll just let him be dirty. Okay, we're going to move on. Uh, after verse, I shouldn't have told you that. Now you know i got a dirty cat. Uh, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. He's correctable. He, he's willing to be teachable, instructable. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This guy was not willing to be humbled, to be teachable. The perfect one that could twist around God's people and cause division. Um, going on in verse 10. He attempted to assassinate the apostle's character. Back to the letter of 3 John. Notice what he says. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing. Gossiping maliciously about us. His attacks are to tear apart the man of God. To tear apart the apostle John. He is maliciously trying to destroy his character, his reputation. He is being devious in this 
pursuit. It's interesting, that word maliciously is used five times in the book of John to refer to the work of the devil. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, the church would have caught that. They would have caught the fact that John is saying, this guy is being used by the devil himself to rip us apart in our love for Christ and one another. Man, he was being bold and making that statement that you can't follow this guy and trust him. Notice as he goes on here too, that he refused to offer hospitalities to the missionaries. He says he refuses to welcome the brothers. In other words, not only was he mad at John, he didn't want to be associated with anybody who was a friend of John's. He didn't want to be associated with the other missionaries that did not first come through him and seek his counsel and seek his wisdom. He was shutting down hospitality in the church. God forgive us when we are not hospitable to God's servants. Not willing to look out for their needs and to care for them and, and to share with them the love of Christ. And, and that was what he, he was, the missionaries, well, you can't stay with our people, with our church. And notice it was even to the point where he had it even reversed. I mean, he would even come uncorked when people would want to t- go against this and you know, God bless the elderly lady who brought a casserole to a missionary as she would be directly attacked. He says he also stops those who want to do so and he puts them out of the church. He's practicing church discipline on the one who's being hospitable to the missionaries, to those who are doing God's work. As a matter of fact, as he says, puts them out of the church, it's that same word that's used when Jesus drove out the money changers in the temple. Man, it is an act of working even against those who love Christ within the church. This is the work of this guy. And someone would say, well, to address him, to confront him, well, that's judgmental. Or that's not loving. Or we're just to, to bear it for Christ. Man, this is not for Christ. This is the work of the enemy trying to tear apart the work of Christ. That would be like your neighbor's house. You start to notice a smoke and then you notice a fire. And, and you think, I'll just pray for him. That Jesus will speak to him and he'll come out of his house. Even though it's two in the morning, he's probably asleep. And, and the loving thing to do is to go over there and to, to help him get out of the house. Make sure no one's over there. <laughs> that they're not going to die in that house. The loving thing is not to make a public spectacle of, of this division. But to lovingly go to that person. And to confront them about this issue. That, that's the loving thing. Not to try to hide it or to ignore it. But to be willing to deal with the issue. Galatians 6 1 tells us, Brother, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. First of all, this is not a matter of gossip where we get in our little groups. I'm scared of him, but he's a jerk. No, that's not spiritual. 
We need to handle this in a godly manner. We need to handle this after real prayer. After real seeking God's face. And then willing to talk with Him. Not out of a heart to destroy Him. But out of a heart to salvage Him. Because He's headed down a road where He's not only destroying the people of God, the church. He's going to destroy Himself. Now, this is not easy stuff. And I confess to you, you know, through the years, I've had, I've never seen an opportunity where it got to the point, you know, in Matthew 18, where you bring the person before the church. But I have had times where I'd privately go and talk to somebody. And then I had the next step where I had to take another church leader with me. But from that point, they... Well, to be honest with you, they dropped out of church those times that it happened. It didn't come to that next point. I didn't go to them because I was trying to be mean or to destroy them. I went to them because to ignore sin is not grace. It it needed to be dealt with. It it, it needed to be addressed. Matter of fact, I thought of turn me to John chapter seven. Man, where does the time go? When you're a preacher, it goes a lot quicker than if you're in the congregation. Okay. Uh, John chapter 7, starting at verse 14. I'm not going to read there, but Jesus is being criticized. He is being attacked. Notice verse 20. It says, you are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. <laughs> Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you are all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Jesus is saying, you are into all these rules in your faith, in your walk with God, in your religion. But you don't care about that man who was sick that I healed. Your love wasn't for that man. You just had a picture of what made you look religious. And it wasn't enough. And and the whole point of this, I wanted to get to that next verse, 724. Look what he says. Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judge. It's not that you never judge. It's you make a right judgment. It's that you are in the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, so that you are able to see the truth of God. And to have that right judgment, there are some things that do need to be addressed. Just briefly, I want to mention a few of these. Don't worry, I won't spend a lot of time. I just want to mention them. First, someone openly living in sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 mentions an instance of this. It is just so public, it is so well known, that it had to be addressed because it was causing problems within the body of Christ. Secondly, it's right to judge our culture as we compare it to the Bible. Someone will say, well, you know, it's not right. It's, it's, it's not right to judge anybody ever sin because we're all sinners yeah we are all sinners and jesus did hang around with sinners that's true but what was his goal it was his goal was to seek and save the one who was lost 
But the religious leaders, man, they were the most critical of Jesus. And don't kid yourself. You read in the Bible and find out what he had to say to some of those religious leaders. He was tough on them. Bunch of old dry bones, whitewashed tombs. Your father's the devil, the father of all lies. He, he did confront those areas of those people who should know the truth. Who should follow the one who is truth and refuse to do so. Who refused to do so. Um, and we'll just look at a few of these real quick as we go down. Sins that destroy Christian unity should be confronted. Man, we are to be together. There are convictions and there are preferences. And God forbid that we start fighting over preferences. Well, I don't like that kind of music that you sing in this church. And I don't like the color of that carpet. Or I don't like the fact you talk to that person. Or these are preferences. I'm talking about convictions. There are some things. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Now that's a conviction. But I'm not going to fight with you over something that's a preference. It's unity. I love Rick Warren's statement. The great commission plus the great commandment equals a great church. Now that's when you that's when you're doing church when you got the great commandment where we really care about each other and the great commission which means we're thinking about people and we're reaching out to the people uh, and I got to move on another category would be sins that entangle a person in corrupt or immoral behavior that that's something that needs to be dealt with there are people that they get involved in a sin and it becomes a pattern and they begin to sink and and their lives are destroyed and we are not to sit by and let that happen we pray for those people and ask god to help us know when is the right time to confront that for example pornography distorts a man's view of a woman and, and what it really means to love a woman that's a distortion that happens and it is a pattern a downward spiral that happens When we become entangled in behavior that's ungodly. Third, a category would be sins that harm the testimony of the church. When it becomes the point that the church, that when Kingsway Baptist Church becomes known for a specific sin that we all know is going on, that hurts the body of Christ. That has to be addressed. We can't let that just go on. I think so much time the trouble I have though is you just don't know what's going on. All you can do in love is go to that person and say, this is what I'm hearing, this is what's going on. Tell me what's going on. And then you sit and you pray with that and say, this, this, this is not godly, this is not. Yeah, but it's to be addressed. And then one more as I close this thing out. Um, the last category would be a distortion of the gospel. Listen to Galatians 1, verse 8. That anyone teaching a gospel that was different than the apostles' doctrine or gospel should be accursed. I mean, there are some things we can have a discussion on. And maybe we don't see eye to eye. There are some things we can. And one of those things is the gospel. The good news. We need to do good works. We need to love people with hands-on acts of service. Amen. I agree with that totally. But the reason we do that is not so that people can talk about, those are just a nice group of people at Kingsway Baptist Church. The reason we do that is because we have discovered the love of God 
that was one at Calvary on an old rugged cross. And that comes from God Himself who came, who was incarnated as a man, yet fully God, sinless, died on a cross, buried in a grave, raised from the grave, sent up to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, and He's still interceding for me. That's the gospel. And if that is twisted or distorted in any way, God forbid, that must be precious. It must be held dear. And we must not lose the gospel. And if that becomes distorted in any way, that has to be addressed. We might as well close the doors if Jesus is not the focus and the gospel is not our mission. Bringing all that together. We have to have a heart. That's God's heart. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for your word. Um, As we look at this personal example of diatrophies, Lord. Um, Father, none of us want to act like, oh, I could never be like that. God forbid, Lord. All of us can go a lot lower and deeper in sin than we ever imagined. Keep us close, Lord. Keep us near the cross. Keep us near you. Father, keep us together in Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. Father, I pray anyone here that, Lord, needs to make a decision for you this morning. For the first time to find the good news and to receive forgiveness, to say, uh, Lord, you are holy, the Savior of the world. I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart. Make me new. That is such beautiful truth, Lord. It is the gospel. And we pray anyone here who comes to salvation in the gospel, what a great day for that, Lord. Let it happen. Um, For others here who uh, we just need to renew our walk with you, I pray, Father, this would be a time at the altar to come and pray or to speak before your people. Father, that that you would just be worshipped and and you would be praised. As we stand and as we sing um, in a time we call invitation or response, Father, it's to you, not to each other. And, Father, we just want to be obedient. And, uh, Father, as we think about a spiritual renewal weekend, we don't have to wait till that day. Father, begin that work now in us, Lord, that we may celebrate you. So, Father, have your way in the time that remains. May Jesus be praised, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.